Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a mundane conversation about the ordinary to help, help you find your way to relaxation and hopefully some sleep too. I'm your host Marco Timpano and I am in Sebastian, Florida and for our regular listeners you know what that means. I have the great occasion to be here with my father-in-law Dan Barker. Dan Barker welcome to the podcast yet again. Yes well thank you. Always fun to have you. Our listeners always enjoy it. It's always fun to be had. And we were watching a movie on television the other day, and mm-hmm. that's what gave me the idea of this particular episode to talk about ships and uh, traveling on cruise ships and whatnot, because we were having a conversation at lunch about that as well. And I know that you have a love for naval things, in particular ships, mm-hmm. and I thought that would be a great place to start. Well... Uh, in my family, if you go back generations, uh, I come from a family of shipbuilders. Uh, they all work just south of Boston in the Quincy shipyard. Mm-hmm. And my father was actually the uh, manager, the foreman, if you will, of the uh, of the main shop that made all of the sundry things that go on a ship, portholes and whatever. It was a very, very large machine shop. Uh, and my brother worked there in quality control. What was the name of the company? Well, when I was a very young kid, it started off, uh, from my knowledge, a Bethlehem Steel. I see. Uh, it was a, that would be the name during World War II. Uh, it was sold to uh, General Dynamics at one point. Um, and it uh, ended its day as a shipyard building these uh, giant liquefied natural gas ships. Oh, wow. In fact, they were so large, I can remember going underneath the stern of these ships as they're being built that stuck out in the river, out in the water. Oh, my goodness. You know, the, the uh, docks couldn't hold them. They were these so large. Behemoths. Yeah, yeah, the largest I've ever seen. When you see them out of the water, it's really an eye-opener. A sight to behold. 
What is the largest cruise ship you've been on? Oh, um, I've been on some uh, fairly large ones and, um, uh, from all the cruise companies. Uh, the last one was a brand new one, uh, ship uh, uh, from Holland, America. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to excuse me for not knowing or remembering all the names of these ships. Oh, it's ships. fine. Um, but we've uh, we've been on Royal Caribbean, Carnival, Princess, um, NCL, Norwegian, Norwegian, yeah, yep. And what makes a good cruise ship for you? Well, my wife always got a kick out of the fact that wherever we would go, anytime we would be docking or pulling away from the dock, I had to be up on the top to watch what was going on. Um, one funny incident was in uh, Antwerp, which is uh, a city that's on the river, and they had this... In Belgium, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. They had this uh, ship, and it had to turn around in the river, and the length of it literally took up the entire river. Oh, wow. With how they did it, I I don't know. I always thought it was because I was up there helping the captain. Right. You know. Well, help it visually just steer the ship with uh, where it was going. Yeah, I was waiting for him to ground it, actually. So what what we saw um, on that particular cruise were a lot of uh, smaller European uh, uh, ports. And what would be one of your favorite ports that you visited on that particular excursion? Well, <laughs> uh, one of the uh, ports, what, what happened on that particular is that one of the tenders, they couldn't get it back up properly, and it dangled oh. from its davits after uh, going to the port, uh, I don't know if it's a, but Cannes, France. Okay. And what was interesting is the film festival was going on. Oh, my goodness. And so all these ships and large yachts were docked or were out in the, I'm going to call it the harbor, but out in the ocean. Sure. uh, With everybody being tendered. And so there was a lot of activity. And that was interesting. There were yachts from uh, Turkey, the Turkish uh, uh, president at the time. Right. and what was interesting is that the crew members would go around pointing all of this stuff out. <laughs> they knew, you know, which boat was who belonged to whom. So uh, that was one of the more interesting ones. Uh, the problem is they could not get that. Uh, I think it was a problem with the davit and the stanchions, and they couldn't get it fixed. So we missed the port of Barcelona, which is one I would have enjoyed I'm sure so so you just bypassed Barcelona yes because of course they had to keep on a certain schedule right and they couldn't afford to lose an entire day sure so um, but you were asking I mean uh, France I think is a great port right Um, Copenhagen was uh, excellent Uh, Antwerp was interesting right because it wasn't really a port. It's a big river. Right. Um, and, you, and you've been on river cruises as well. Like, these are 
mm-hmm. big open ocean cruises we're talking about, but you right. also have been uh, on a river cruise. Yes. Um, in the United States, we took a uh, river cruise from Miss, uh, on the Mississippi from New Orleans up to Memphis, mm-hmm. and there were several stops in between. And this was a uh, replica of an old stern wheeler. Sure. Um, luckily, it had some modern comforts. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a very interesting uh, cruise because it was very laid back, relaxing. Um, and the t- towns we visited, such as, I'll pick one, Natchez. Natchez is a very famous port. And uh, back in the day, and I'm talking 150 years ago. Sure. A lot of the Natchez? Group, Natchez. Okay. Uh, was the port was a port that they used to ship a lot of cotton out of the south. Okay. And uh, between Natchez and uh, some small towns uh, going all the way up to Nashville. Oh, wow. Um, there was what they call the Natchez Trace, which is a roadway that they used back in the day to get the goods uh to, you know, the ports. And, of course, uh, Nashville was also a port, even though the river was much smaller than Mississippi. But anyways, what was interesting, it was like a a time, all these beautiful little mansions that had not been really touched or some of them had been redone, bed and breakfast, etc. But a very... uh, small town. I mean, I don't think there were 15,000 people that actually live there today. Oh, wow. This is Port Natchez, Natchez, Natchez in yeah. Texas. Is that Texas? Is that- I believe it's Mississippi. Okay. I was trying to remember that. Yeah. Sure. <coughs> There's a, No worries. There's a couple of, uh, I just tried to look it up. There's a couple of Natchez in the U.S. and uh, I might not have the spelling right. What's the biggest difference between a, for you, between a river cruise and a cruise on the open waters of uh, the seas. Well, other river cruises we did, we did uh, a double river cruise that went right across France. Oh, wow. And, um, again, I have a background family-wise. I have a love of boats and ships. And like all ships, the first day they, they go over the safety so they had us all up on the top of this um, European riverboat and going through everything. And I'm looking around, and I'm going, oh, this is interesting. So finally it, it ended, and I said, uh, excuse me, I noticed there's no lifeboats on this, on this. And they looked at me and laughed and said, no, that's right. If we sink, all you do is get out and walk to the shore. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah, um, and that was uh, another... What, what's nice about river cruising is that you don't have as many people. So at any rate, we, we booked this uh, around the UK uh, cruise, hitting all, a lot of the major cities. But we also booked a week before a bus tour of Ireland, something we wanted to do. We wanted to get to see the countryside. Sure. And there were some interesting facts. Um, There we are on a bus for over a week with this group of people. Okay. 
uh, approximately 40 of us, 35 or 40. And so we got to know everyone. The funny thing is, we go on the ship, and the ship is so large, we never saw these people again. Oh, wow. Um, we even looked for them at sure. one point, and it was just too big. Wow. Just too big. You sure they weren't avoiding you, hiding out in some... Yeah, they might have had enough of me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we also uh, were watching a movie last night called Mutiny on the Bounty that starred Marlon Brando. And, you know, it's all about the ship, the bounty, and right. what happened on it. But the fascinating part for me was you were giving me a lot of interesting insight on the ship itself. Mm-hmm. And that it was uh, actually made in Lunenburg. That's Nova right, Scotia. Nova Scotia. Which you've been to many times. Yes, yes. Um, and, of course, Lunenburg is known for, uh, for shipbuilding. I mean, they not only did the bounty and the, the replica of the bounty, um, they also did the Blue Nose, which is a very famous Canadian ship that won many uh, sea uh, races. It's a schooner. With, with a schooner. And yeah, right. uh, anyone who has a Canadian dime, the 10 cent piece, you'll notice on that is the Blue Nose 2, I believe, schooner. And that particular coin, the um, artistry on it, was done by one of our past guest grandparents, uh, Emmanuel Hahn. Oh, okay. uh, so, anyways, but back to back to yeah. Lunenburg and the schooners that they built. So, at any rate, when uh, they were going to do the movie, um, they hired at that time the most famous uh, idol uh, of the movies, which happened to be Marlon Brando, and of course they had some other excellent uh, people there: Richard Harris, Trevor yes. Howard, but. Uh, they decided what they would do is actually find somebody to build a replica of the money. Mm-hmm. And looking around the world, they ended up in Nova Scotia because uh, they could at least read uh, all the blueprints and everything left over and everything they could find on the bounty. And so they knew you know, that these folks could actually do it. Oh, wow. So, so they built it from... The replica from the original blueprints That's from right. the original bounty. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they did the same thing with the Blue Nose, and they've done the same thing, I think, with several other ships. Um, one of the important aspects, uh, for me, anyways, is that there's a lot of side stories that go with that building. Uh, they ended up building the bounty, the copy of it. Um, but in order to sail it, and, and this replica did have engines and other uh, more modern nautical devices Features. to help it. Yeah. But one of the interesting things is they actually had eight of the craftsmen that built the bony uh, sailor. Oh, so they were actually sailing the ship after they built it? Yes, because they had to get it over to, to uh, Tahiti in order to film the movie. I see. So what's interesting is that they use these uh, gentlemen uh, in the movie. I don't think any of them or very few had speaking parts, but they They were were always in the background. And if you saw somebody climbing the rigging, trust me, that wasn't a Hollywood actor. I see. It was one of the (laughs) gentlemen who made it in Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. Right. Oh, wow. Right. Um, Yeah, that film, I think, came out in 62. 
Okay. I'm, I'm going to guess. I tried to look it up after. Um, but uh, the ship then had an interesting traje- trajectory after that because the um, movie company or the movie house that was built, who was making the film, wanted to set the ship that they built for the movie on fire for the climactic scene that happens in the movie. Right. And what took place is that uh, apparently Marlon Brando was quite a uh, handful uh, trying to rewrite many of the the pieces, the scripts, etc. And of course they tolerated him as best they could. But finally he said, look, this last scene where we burn the ship, he says, if you're going to burn the ship, I'm going to walk right out. I'm not going to finish this movie. Sure. Uh, and so the studios apparently thought about it and said, well, if Marlon doesn't want us to burn the ship, we've got to find another way of doing it. Right. So the ship survived. And what does the studio do with the ship after the movie? It's huge. It requires a lot of crew to, to keep it. it. Yep. yep. And so... At first, they went around to when the uh, movie was opening, and on the seaports, they would get the ship there, like New York, Seattle, L.A. Right. And this, they found out, was quite a tourist attraction. I see. In fact... um, So they would dock it in these ports where mm -hmm. the movie was playing. It was released in November 8, 1962, so as it was released in various cities the actual bounty that was in the film would show up. Right. In, in many, many places, the right. best they could do it. And of course, it, had to go, it was in the Pacific, so it had to come back to the West Coast sure. first, then go down Panama Canal up the East Coast. I see. So that took time. Right. You know, they weren't able to do that in a day. Um, but they found it, it was quite a tourist attraction, so they started... Uh, Basically, they started taking it around, uh, not just supporting the film, but as an independent uh, uh, site. They were at the New York World's Fair with it, and it became, you know, a lot of people saw it. And then as time progressed, uh, it's gone to tall ships, and it's always been one of the most favorite uh, ships out there. Sure. but it was sold to other people because finally the studio said, well, you know, we got our life out of it. Right. You know, it takes money to maintain it. Sure. And, you know, The movie's come and gone. Right. Right. So it was sold to uh, a couple of parties. I mean, one happened to be Ted Turner. Right. Just as he was getting his empire started. And, of course, he's quite a yachtsman. Yeah, because he won the America's Cup, if I'm not mistaken. At one point, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, you know, he he appreciated. I think, I think his his decision to buy it was, you know, they can't let something this like this just fade away. Sure. So uh, he had it at one time up in Massachusetts, up in uh, well, it's a uh, town called Fairhaven next to the city of Fall River, I believe. Um, they bought it and had it as part of their what they called Battleship Cove which has a submarine, the USS Massachusetts from World War II, which is a big battleship, like the Missouri. So this this town, this coastal town in Massachusetts, has other 
ships in its harbor that are tourist uh, attractions. People yes. come all over to see yep. that. Yeah. So this was a great addition. Uh, problem is, by this time, we're talking 30 years from when it was built, it needed some heavy-duty maintenance. Because right. it's a wood it's a wood craft, right? It's, it's a wooden ship built in the time period of the 1790s. Yeah. Right. I mean, it... it uh, didn't have fiberglass. It didn't have a steel hull. Nothing right. like that. <coughs> and of course, the timbers would just get all that time in the water uh, soaked, start start to rot away, etc. Sure. So it it had quite a, uh, a history after the movie, and um, was very popular amongst um, and would be today. Uh, right up until the time it sank. Right. And it sank during a hurricane, uh, Hurricane Sandy. It battered New York. So at any rate, I mean, the bounty uh, being a replica is amongst uh, one of many that uh, has been done. And I mean, I grew up just outside Plymouth, Mass., and across the Mayflower, too. Okay. Which is still there. Sure. And when you get on a uh, I'm going to call it a ship, but a boat like that, because it, it is quite small. What's the difference between a boat and a ship? Well, a lot of it is size. I see. Okay. Um, I'm not technically. I'm not quite sure. Okay. But I think a ship was more commercial vehicle. The uh, Queen's yacht, right, is the size of a ship. It takes 200 and some odd people to sail it. Uh, but I don't think they call it a ship. I think it's. It is the yacht. It's, it's a yacht. boat. Oh, I see. Okay. So the Mayflower 2, mm-hmm. you were and saying. When you visit it and you see um, what people had to go through to sail it, i.e. The, the between the decks uh, are only about five and a half to six feet. Right. I mean, I can't stand up in it. Uh, most people today wouldn't be able to. But the bounty, when you look at the movie, pay attention to the uh, uh, the under the the uh, deck there, and when the scenes are done, because they're all bending over. Um, the sails and the yacht arms and everything sure. else on on these boats, these ships, were something. But then you think, well, this Mayflower made it across the Atlantic. Wow. I wouldn't do it. Right. I would need something <laughs> about five times that sure. size. And, uh, and, of course, that's something special to me because I am a descendant of uh, uh, the, the Mayflower family, yeah. which was on the Mayflower. Um, how they survived, you know, you hear about the diseases and everything, sure. and you say, yeah, it's... You can see how that happens. Certainly a big difference from back then and the cruise ships that you enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what little cabins there were on the Bounty, as an example, they used the captain's cabin, of course, for the breadfruit plants. And so old Bly had a a little cabin that measured like eight feet by five feet or something. Only enough room for his bunk. Yeah. That's why they were traveling to the tropics was to get the breadfruit plant back to... And bring it back to, to uh, the British colony. Right. I believe Jamaica. Oh, to was, Jamaica. 
was the was the destination for the bread fruit bread fruit right. plant. The I have seven differences between a boat and a ship, or a ship and a boat. And you're right, size is number one. Um, it's the most important aspect, which is different uh, between a ship and a boat is the size. It is said that the best way to differentiate between a ship and a boat is to remember a ship can carry a boat, but a boat cannot carry a ship. Okay. So there you go. Um, operational areas, uh, the crew, navigational and technology, uh, cargo capacity, construction and design, uh, when it comes to construction and design, ships are complicated structures having a variety of machinery systems and designing aspects for safety and stability of the ship. A boat is much simpler in construction and built and lesser machines and design complexity. So, yes, it stands to reason that you... And the seventh thing is uh, propulsion. That makes a difference. Mm-hmm. But it stands to reason that you would have to go to a old shipbuilding town like Lunenburg if you want to build these complex uh, ship replicas when you look at modern shipbuilding today what they do is is they start with a section of the hull but only a section there's no keels laid down or anything so just think of it like sliced bread and everything that's going to go in that section Mm -hmm. is going to be put before the ship is ever put together i see and that's much different than any of the old-fashioned shipbuilding that used to take place. Is there a ship that exists today or that exists in the past that you would have liked to have been on, even just to just to see it? Because you've been on the Blue Nose, too. Yeah. You've I've been, been on the Mayflower replica. Yeah. You've been on some big cruise ships. Yeah. You've been on some smaller boats from pontoons to kayaks to you name it it's the sound of a crack of thunder happening in the background too well i i'm not sure i have an answer but i'll say that my grandfather i have two grandfathers Mm -hmm. one was a merchant marine captain who went down during world war ii and the other was a grand banks fisherman oh wow out of boston um in his early days, and uh, similar to the Blue Nose, uh, that type of uh, schooner, where they would drop the dories over and you'd take your lines out and drop them in, right. catch the cod. That would, you know, a schooner would be, excuse me, a ship that would be interesting right. just to go out for the day. Not sure, to, not to live on. Huh. Uh, my uh, great aunt was on the second to last voyage of the Andrea Doria before oh, it sank. Okay. So she went on it and then the next time it sailed or the next time it, it went out, it sank. Yes. And I remember that as a, as a kid. Sure. Because it didn't sink right off. It was a slow sink. Right. And so they actually had planes and helicopters around it. Saving people. Yeah, showing it going down. Yeah. yeah. And I think most of the people survived because of the slow sink of that ship. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, when you're talking ships, uh, talk about the port of Halifax up in Nova Scotia. Sure. Um, the great uh, um, explosion where, you know, uh, two ships collided in the harbor. Right. And basically took out the entire city, mm-hmm. every building, every... Um, 
everything that, that uh, was was floating got impacted. Right. There's still some remnants of that. If you're walking around Halifax, you can still see some remnants of the explosion. You can see remnants, and what I find fascinating about that is they once in a while they'll they'll find a projectile or something up on the shore. Right. And they have to detonate it to get rid of it. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, Halifax has a huge sort of naval history and interesting connection to ships and whatnot because when the Titanic sank, yes, a lot of the dead ended up going to Halifax, where a lot of the survivors went to Boston. Right? Was it Boston? Um, I think so. Yeah, both Boston and Halifax have a uh, let's call it a marriage of sorts. Right. Um, during the explosion, uh, one of the first trains full of goods was actually from Boston. The people of Boston, you know, bandied together to get some help up to Halifax. Um, one of the uh, things about the uh, uh, port of Halifax, it's it's in my estimation. I mean, it's it's wide enough certainly, but it's quite long and. Because of the uh, formation of Halifax right on the side of the hill. Right. It took out every building. Now everything over the hill survived. So the blast actually just went right up. Quite Um, an impact, yeah. But uh, it's still a fascinating harbor. Before we go, What are a couple of tips you would give to anybody who hasn't traveled on ships or boats and is going on a cruise or going down a river uh, that they should know? Oh, well, of course, life aboard the the cruise ship is really something. I mean, uh, the meals are ongoing. Right. And uh, usually quite sumptuous, I mean, quite large and et cetera. And you have your choice of everything. I mean, most of the ships we were on had everything from uh, ice cream bars to, to pizza parlors to whatever. So, sure. Um, so bring an appetite because you're going to gain some weight. <laughs> Maybe an antacid too. Uh, the, the thing about uh, cruising is when you get to the ports, you you should have a uh, signed up for uh, one of the expeditions. Sure. You know, to see what that ports about etc yeah sure like a lot of these ships will have fantastic excursions for their passengers to take advantage of exactly um one of the ones i always laugh about now is we were down i believe it was in columbia and we visited a banana uh plantation right and we had to go on this bus and it went for a couple hours to get there and we had a nice enough guide. Sure. And he'd, he'd say, now understand, and this is what I took away from the whole day, is that all bananas are edible. So to prove that, he stops the bus, goes out to the jungle, cuts some bananas, brings them back, and we all have these bananas. But the second thing is, it takes uh, 21 days when they cut the bananas and they the bananas have to actually ripen in, in transit, etc. Uh, takes 21 days to grow a banana. Well, there you go. The things that you you find out about when you're cruising. 
Um, well, as the thunder rolls in the background, mm. we've approached the end of this episode of the Insomnia Project. Dan, I want to thank you uh, for all your insight on all past episodes, in particular this one about ships. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I'm no great authority. It's just that I guess with my lineage of shipbuilding and my family and ship captains, I right. I just love them. Yeah, so. you listen. Sharing the passion that you have for subject matter like ships is always appreciated. Well, I just one side note. Sure. I always said there was one or two fields I want to get into. One was something to do with music right, or something to do with boats and ships. When I got out of the Army, I was blessed by the fact that I was able to do both. I worked for a company called Boston Whaler that made pleasure boats. So I got that out of my system. And certainly uh, playing drums, I, you know, had a, a, my own passion for that. Right. Uh, so now we got to get you to work as a drummer on a cruise ship. Wouldn't uh, that? Would, I mean, that's ideal. Okay, that's ideal. In fact, on the Mississippi River cruise ship, mm-hmm. when we were walking on, they had a Dixieland band playing. I looked up, and they had a drum set that I actually helped invent. Wow! So, did you take the opportunity to jump behind it and, and teach him a lesson? No, but I did ask him. You know, I didn't understand where he bought it or anything. Right. And so I got all that info. But he told me, he said, I love this drum set. I have, and I'm, uh, I could mention some names, I will mention Pearl and Yamaha on the boat. He says, I prefer this one. And the, and the name of the drum set, which was short-lived, right. only, we only had it for one year, was Stag, S-T-A-G-G. All right. So if you ever see one, Pick it up. Yeah, it's only one of a couple hundred. It's worth it's worth some money. Well, Dan, thanks once again for being part of our podcast. As you put your glass down, that sound is, is the glass hitting the table. It's always fun to record here in the kitchen. I'll take a picture because it's now getting really dark yeah. for, for our listeners to see. <laughs> it looks like night in us here. Where we're recording. Um, as always, we hope you enjoyed the Insomnia Project. Listen to us on Radio Public if you can. Every listen on Radio Public gets money towards our podcast. We recorded this episode on a stormy afternoon in Sebastian, Florida. Listen and sleep.